1: Football Social Daily, your daily Premier League podcast. They've been linked with some big names this transfer window. Jesse Lingard, Aaron Ramsey, even Kylian Mbappe at one stage. But it's Burnley striker Chris Wood of all people, who looks set to become Newcastle United's newest recruits. 20 million quid should do it a price that some have laughed at but in their time of need and with the resources they have do Newcastle United even care the Burnley big man has dominated the back pages this morning as his move to St James's Park is finalised where does this leave current employers the Clarets though in their quest to beat the drop with their main striker heading to a relegation rival we'll attempt to answer those questions on today's show as well as reflecting on a super night for Southampton as they battered Brentford in the Premier League last night in front of their new owner. And there's more top flight football to feast upon this evening as Champions League chasing West Ham host Championship headed Norwich City. My name's Niall and this is Football Social Daily, the daily Premier League podcast from Sports Social. This is the place to get your footy fix seven days a week. So hit subscribe and that way you won't miss an episode again, including The Dugout, our new show for the season featuring former Premier League professionals. And joining me this week will have ex-Arsenal striker and Man City hero Paul Dickov, And we'll also be joined by current Middlesbrough defender and one-time Leicester and Leeds man Sol Bamba. So really looking forward to that. That'll be out Friday, but if you hit subscribe, you'll receive a notification when that one is available to download. But for today, I'm going to bring you crashing down to earth here. We've got Leeds Fanny and Brannon and Man City supporter Matt Pidd. Morning to you, gents.
2: Morning, Niall. Hey, good morning, yes. Nothing more sobering than a Leeds and a Manchester United fan to start your day. A <laughs> well, United fan. Don't
1: call him a Man United fan.
2: That's a, <laughs> oh, uh, please, Christ, that's even worse. City, city, (laughs) sorry, city. Um,
1: Yeah. Any memories of Sol Bamba at Leeds,
2: Ian? Seeing as I just mentioned him there. Yeah. Oh, he's a he's a he's a Leeds legend. Is Sol Bamba Um, hugely respected as as far as I'm aware? Um, And he's had um, he's had some health problems, hasn't he? Recently, I I, I think I'm right in saying. And uh, yeah, um, a lot a lot of love. For Sol Bamba, um, you know, he, he did a, he did a good job. Probably went under the radar by a lot of me- people because you know one of those players in the championship that that did a great job. Um, unfortunately, he wasn't part of the the lead side that that finally you know got to uh the premier league but um you know he, he did a he did a great job he was he was Leeds captain um for for a long time so yeah a, a lot of people uh a lot of respect for him he's you know i think if ever he, he goes back to, to Elland road for whatever reason he, he'll get a warm welcome for sure yeah
1: yeah obviously he's a middlesbrough player currently and you're right he did actually beat cancer earlier um well last year actually as it is now 2021 he he beat cancer which is brilliant um a, a real warrior of a man absolutely loves defending and i'm really excited to hear what he has to say um uh, lee's legend is soul bamba says ian what about chris wood not not so much i think
2: <laughs> <laughs> well do you know what i think it's a bit split um I, I think that you know looking online just to sort of see what uh the the general you know, leeds united fans are, are always a, never a good barometer to go by because you know even if they'd won the champions league winning the final against psg 14-0 there'd still be somebody complaining about something um <laughs> just how it goes um I- there are people who would take chris wood back immediately in 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 uh leeds current situation of uh, you know struggling up front a little bit with, with the injuries. no players to, your current situation well, yeah, just any any fit players would be uh, welcomed in in whatever condition they're in um, <laughs> but um but yeah is he worth 25 million quid no he certainly isn't yes newcastle have been absolutely screwed uh but hey they've got stupid money and this they're going to get screwed in every transfer deal they do, no matter what it is, and uh, it, it was all, it was all right for Leeds, but if you're the richest club in the world, as they as they claim they are, is Chris Wood the signing you were hoping for? No, it is not. Uh, it, 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 I don't know. He's he's too indifferent. He's not he's not Lionel Messi, right? And I think this, <laughs> looking online. There's, there's, there's some um, there's some Newcastle fans really excited that this is the answer to their problems. They've got an out-and-out out goal scorer and they're going to be pumping them in. He's not. He's not going to do that. He is not a 20-goal-a-season striker. That is not Chris Wood. Um, and he scored three goals this season. He hasn't scored since November, despite playing in all of the matches that Burnley have been involved in. He hasn't scored. He's on a really bad drought at the minute. Of course... Chris Wood is going to leap at the chance to be played, paid a fortune to play for Newcastle United, of course he is and I think many Leeds fans whilst some would say yeah they'd have him back there's quite a few saying oh, what a surprise, Chris Wood going somewhere for money <laughs> uh, so you know And that's why he left Leeds. He left Leeds because Leeds couldn't fulfil his ambitions to achieve great things in the Premier League. So he joined Burnley.
1: Well, he joined Burnley for 15 million quid from Leeds. That was a few years ago. He was Burnley's record signing. And if you haven't been uh, caught up with the news. This is what's happened. Newcastle United are closing in on signing Chris Wood, the Burnley striker. Believe it or not, Wood had a release clause of somewhere between 20 to £25 million. Pounds. Newcastle United have met that release clause and a few at Burnley are a bit confused, a bit frustrated, a bit annoyed that one of their ...prized assets, so to speak, is going to go to a relegation rival. We'll talk about Burnley in a second. But as Ian just picked up on there, Matt, a few people are suggesting that Newcastle United have been ripped off. First of all, they're in a bit of a mess... They are in the relegation zone and it's not quite like what happened to your club, Man City, when you got taken over because you were a a mid-table Premier League club when that investment came in. Newcastle are are struggling Mm. at the bottom of the table so it's almost a case of beggars can't be choosers but they have chosen to sign Chris Wood so is that a fair price for you, do you think? 20 to 25 million quid?
3: Well, it was like what Ian just mentioned there. They are going to be held to ransom now because of the amount of money that they've got. Clubs are going to get whatever they can out of them. And if Newcastle are in the position that they're in now, they are desperate. Let's let's be real with the situation. They are absolutely desperate, especially for goals. They've not scored enough this season. Callum Wilson needs help. Um, £25 million for for Chris Wood. Definitely not for me um, in terms of price. But it reminds me of when City first got taken over. Every single player we went in for... Clubs put on another ten million on top just because they could, because they knew we had the money. I remember Joe signing for us. Anyone remember Joe? Anyone remember <laughs> how it. many Premier League goals he scored for City? It reminds me of that sort of situation. He he was he wasn't the best player, but you know what City at that time, like you said, we was a mid-table club, but we had ambitions at the time to get into the top four, top six even. Um, so we we signed a player and it didn't work out. At the end of the day. Chris Wood is um, a Premier League striker. He's been in the Premier League for a number of seasons now. He's scored uh, 50 goals in 155 Premier League appearances, which is an average of um, 0.32 goals per game. He's only got three this season in total, which isn't prolific by any means. But, you know, it's it's not bad, for, especially for a striker that's playing in a Burnley side that aren't really known for the, like, attacking style of play. Um, Wood is one of those players that doesn't mind the physical side of the Premier League, he doesn't mind the physical side of the battle with centre-halves, and if Newcastle are going to survive this season, they're going to need that kind of battle, they're going to need that kind of player that's going to roll up his sleeve and go like, come on boys, let's get in the trenches and let's let's fight for this. He might not be the best technical, he might not be the best all-round goal scorer, but at the end of the day, Newcastle do need goals at the moment and if he an e can add to those you know, then Newcastle, they're going to try and make a fight of it at least.
1: Yeah, I think you're right, he's the sort of player that as Ian says, isn't technically blessed and isn't someone who's going to ratchet 20 goals a season but he'll run through a brick wall for you and I think that's the sort of attitude that Newcastle need, don't they, when they're in the relegation zone. Absolutely. I thought it was interesting you mentioning about Joe and of course Robinho was that first big signing that you had at Man City. It's almost as if Newcastle can't go in and start buying the Mbappes of this world straight away because it's just it's just laughable. He's not gonna join Newcastle United.
3: It's Yeah, it's taken... not FIFA. We're not playing no. FIFA, this is real life. <laughs> Precisely. And it took
1: Man City what, eight, seven, eight years to get into a position where they had to, you know, sign players of a certain quality quite astutely, someone like David Silver, someone like Sergio Aguero, who were decent players but they weren't world class, and they came into City and City made them world class. And then that, therefore, attracts better players when you start winning stuff. So it is a process. It's not going to happen overnight. But I suppose my question is, nowadays, with the fees that we see, Matt, is 25 million quid the going rate for a half-decent player? I mean, you think back to last season, was it Sheffield United paid 20 million for Ryan Brewster, um, who was unproven? who was a kid who had a bit of a, a an arrogance about him suggesting that he was going to be the next big thing. It just hasn't been the case. That's a lot of money to spend on a young player. And yet this is 25 million pounds which seems like a lot for Chris Wood because he plays for an unfashionable club. But as you've mentioned he's got Premier League experience and he scored goals at a rate of one in 3.
3: Yeah, it's in, inflation has a lot to do with it as well. The, the prices of players now are absolutely ridiculous. You look 10 years ago and you know 25 million pounds was like, you know, near enough like a British transfer record. I remember Andy Cameron was it? 35 million when he signed for Liverpool, not too long ago, 10 years years ago. And that was a British transfer record. Now you're looking at 100 million for a British transfer record with Jack Grealish. So it's, it's just the way football has gone with the amount of money that's in the game at the moment, with TV rights and streaming and stuff like that. That's just the way it is nowadays. 25 million sounds like a lot, but in the grand scheme of things nowadays, is it really a lot? Uh, for a striker of Chris Wood, maybe, but at the end of the day, this is what I just said about Newcastle. Newcastle now have the richest, probably the richest club in the world, they're 10 times richer than my club. You know, and Mm. my club are one of the richest around, so that (laughs) that that says it all, right? There, they are gonna get held to ransom with these kind of things. Now, clubs are gonna get every single penny they can out of Newcastle, and Newcastle at the moment are just gonna have to grin and bear it. Because, like we were just saying, then it is a process. Newcastle aren't gonna sign all these world class strikers straight off the bat. They're gonna have to build a team. They're gonna have to survive in the Premier League this season for one. If they're gonna if they're gonna build on it for next season, because in the Championship, you know, who's gonna join them in the Championship? Yeah, they might be able to offer decent wage. Ages, but no one's going to want to just take a step down just to get Newcastle back in the Premier League because you know we know football, is it's a short career New, Newcastle might not get out of the Championship at the first time of Aston just because of the money because we know the Championship is notoriously difficult to get out of, there's a lot of quality teams down there so what Newcastle need to focus on first and foremost is finishing off the rest of the season out of the top three, out, out of the bottom three even they need they need the goals, they need the fight and Chris Wood can bring them both of those things I feel
1: What does this mean for Burnley, though, Ian? Obviously, Chris Wood is someone that they anticipated staying until the end of the season. Um, I don't think Sean Dyche allegedly was even aware that Wood had a release clause in his contract. I think the reason this move came about is because they share the same agent, as in Wood and Kieran Trippier, who's just signed for Newcastle, share the same agent. So I think that's where the kind of the move came about originally. Um, This leaves Burnley in a real weakened position, albeit they've played two games fewer than most of their relegation rivals. They've only won a single game all season in the Premier League. They are struggling. Without Maxwell Cornet scoring goals, it seems like no one's scoring goals for them. And the one person that might have a chance of putting the ball in the back of the net has now gone off to a rival. So this is pretty bad news for Burnley all round, isn't it?
2: Yeah, it's uh, it's a big problem that Burnley probably weren't Banking on having because with quite a hefty release clause for a player such as Chris Wood, they probably would have felt that he was safe from uh, you know most clubs with any sense, thinking well, you know <laughs> we're the best one in the world that's a lot to pay for Chris Wood, as we're saying, and um income newcastle and 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 sort of meet that, so yeah, it is a problem now that they they're going to have to resolve, and maybe whilst Chris Wood hasn't been particularly prolific in putting the ball in the net that's not to say that his contribution to the games hasn't you know resulted in anything I'm sure he's contributed in some assists and, and, and generally in the play and you know as you say he is a, he's a pain he's, he, and that's probably what he he's is a, you know, he's a, he's a, a thaw, Yeah, thorn in the side really and it, 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 it difficult for, for, for clubs to, to break down and I'm sure that uh, many clubs when they're preparing to play against Burnley sort of do figure out what they're going to do with Chris Wood to keep him quiet because you know he is a bit of a goal poacher and he he can be, on his day, uh, uh, you know, a bit of a problem in a bit of a handful, you know, in the penalty area, especially with set pieces, corners, what have you, when the ball goes in because he's a big lad, tall lad, can get his head on it, you know, so can be trouble. And certainly for the way Burnley play. Yeah, Sean
1: Dice is going to have to earn his coin now, though, isn't he, Ian? Because, you know, he signed yeah. a new contract and everyone was saying that's great news. The new owners came into Burnley, put pen to paper on a new deal. He's the longest serving manager in the Premier League. And... He's now lost one of his key players, his key striker. So, I mean, he's going yeah. to really have to to earn his money um, to keep Burnley up because it seems unlikely
2: that they'll go into the window and, and buy someone. Well, as, as we mentioned just before about the going rate for a half-decent player, you know, the, yeah. that money that they've got uh, for Chris Wood, they, they're going to, you know, same applies now to in, in terms of getting ripped off because everybody knows that they've got 25 million quid to spend. So no matter how much you might value a player, even if that player is 10 million or 15 million, everybody knows Burnley have got 25 million quid in the bank now. So, and they've got more than that because they, have, they haven't actually spent a great deal of their TV money over the years. So Burnley, actually, as it goes, are pretty loaded. So, you know, Sean Dyche's method has been to just construct
1: a squad from free agents or cheap championship players. And it's worked so far, but you know that can
2: only take you so far. You have to ask the question, Right, they 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 have, and it is a fact that they have got money, you know, stashed away in case of a rainy day and all that at Burnley. When when is that rainy day? And is that now? Now that you've got no striker, you're in the relegation zone. Surely the 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 price of a, of a decent striker, supposing they spend twenty five thirty million themselves on whoever, don't know, that's got to be worth the investment. At the risk of losing your 100 odd million a year for being in the Premier League? Discuss.
1: Yeah, and I think it's a really good point, and I'm keen to see what Burnley actually do in this transfer window. Their first piece of activity, albeit. Unwanted and inadvertent is to allow Chris Wood to join relegation rival Newcastle United. His release clause has been met between 20 and 25 million pounds. That's expected to be finalised uh, over the next few hours. Even by the time you listen to this podcast, perhaps it might have already been confirmed. We brought you some news on yesterday's podcast that Aston Villa have been chasing Everton fullback Luca Dean. That's now allegedly been agreed in a deal worth a very similar fee, up to £25 million. Um, There's been a fair few days' worth of negotiations and there will be a medical in Birmingham later for Luca Dean. Meanwhile, Anwar Hazi could be going the other way to Everton for £15 million in a separate deal. So that's the latest when it comes to Villa and Everton. We're going to move on now and talk about Mo Salah because even though we're in a transfer window, it doesn't really seem like Mo Salah could be playing anywhere other than Liverpool for the rest of his career. That's certainly what he said he wanted to do, Matt. Mo Salah has put his cards on the table and he says, I love playing at Liverpool. I'm playing my best football here. I'm one of the best players in the world when I've been here. I don't want to leave. I want to stay, but I want a new contract because he's been on the same contract for the last few years. He's outperformed it, many people would argue but Liverpool seem to be reluctant to give him what he wants and again, The club are stalling on giving him this new deal and allegedly he's not asking for a great deal more than what he's already got. But the argument, I suppose, is he's their best player, Matt. Why don't they just give him what he wants?
3: I really, really do not understand this whatsoever. Um, When he first came into Liverpool in his first season, he scored scored over 40 goals in his first season in all competitions. He should have had a new contract there and then after that one season. Um, His numbers are ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous when you look at him. I mean, he's even got over 20 goals this season already. And it's only just January. <laughs> the numbers are abs- are absolute joke he's, he's arguably at the moment the best in Europe in terms of the way he's playing. The, the his goals, his 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 all round play, his link up with the players that he's playing with. Um, he's won the Champions League, won the Premier League with Liverpool. He's He's, he's done a lot for them since he came in. I think he came in in the 17-18 um, um, season. He came in then. He's been at the club now for like four years. So he, he deserves every any, anything that he's asking for at the moment, he deserves. Because you look at Liverpool, They've like I said, the trophies that they've won, they've got the money there. So I don't understand why they are stalling. Maybe they... Probably think he's a bit more, he's a bit more loyal, and he's not gonna move on. But at the end of the day, you've got clubs like Real Madrid sniffing round for him. You know, who's he, not gonna want to go and play for Real Madrid in the career? Yeah. Are never, they taking
1: he, it for granted a bit, Matt? I
3: think, think, I think they are. Yeah, I think they are. I, th- I think they're underestimating him a little bit. I think that he, as a, as a player, has earned you know the right to to ask for more money for what he's getting. I mean, we all know footballers get paid ridiculous amounts of money these days anyway. But the the way he's played and the the numbers that he's He's gathered for Liverpool. Why Why shouldn't he be asking for more money? Because his performances have, er, have, have earned him that. Absolutely. So I don't understand why Liverpool are stalling on it currently. I don't know whether it's to play in the waiting game or what. I've seen it with a few clubs. A few clubs have, have tried that and then it's backfired on them majorly and then they're sat there like, look, you know what I mean? Now he's in talks with this other club, maybe we need to... To, to to start to start the talks but maybe it's too late at that point so I think the sooner they, they, they sort it out at Liverpool the better because Mo Salah even for the league in general look at, at the end of the day Liverpool are our as City's rivals for the, the title but I love watching him as a footballer I love watching him in the Premier League he brings eyes to the Premier League and, you know, I mean, he's he's got the whole of Egypt, especially behind him as well. So he's, he's an icon for them. So I think the sooner Liverpool get it sorted out, the better because he does deserve the new contract and he does deserve more money for his performances and for his numbers.
1: I agree. Brilliant for African football in the Premier League as well. Obviously, Salah and Mane, in fact, are away with the African Cup of Nations uh, tournament taking place at the moment. So those two players and I think Naby Keita as well on international duty. Um, So there's been some controversy over Liverpool's games being postponed recently. We won't go into that now, um, but definitely think that Mo Salah is someone who does deserve a, a new contract and Liverpool don't want to be stung.
2: Yeah, just on on, on the most Salah thing. Um, it's, it's it's not entirely football, but he, he is um, he's in the new epi- uh, edition of GQ magazine that's uh, that's come out, and I think yesterday he's
3: short shorts,
2: very short, yeah, oh, I very saw short that. shorts. <laughs> <laughs> he's, uh, he's wearing the retro kit in the full John Aldridge yeah. style. Um, but um, the, in the interview though, um, it points out that you know you're talking about how big a deal he is, and, and we, we all probably take him. For granted, I don't realise... He's even got a waxwork at Madame Tussauds. More than that, in Egypt, the the life story of Mo Salah is is taught in schools. Of course, Um, yeah, yeah. His nickname is The Happiness Maker. Um... And, and a couple of other things, you know, he's he's a very generous guy. He's, uh, he's paid to build a school. Um, he's built a water treatment plant. He, he's built an ambulance station. I mean, all this <laughs> in between training sessions. And um, beyond that as well, he's, uh, according to Stanford University researchers, they noticed that since Mo Salah's arrival in Liverpool in 2017, they've seen an 18.9% fall in hate crimes in the city. Um, in Egypt, his involvement in a government anti-drugs campaign led to a fourfold increase in calls to a helpline. And um, in the presidential elections in Egypt in 2018, there were uh, widespread reports of voters spoiling their papers and writing Salah's name, despite, of course, him not actually being on the ballot paper. He is a big deal in Egypt, it's fair to say.
1: I think sometimes we underestimate how important and powerful football can be especially in Africa. I don't know if you guys saw the video of Riyad Mahrez getting off the Algeria coach oh, yeah. um, at the African mm. Cup of Nations. And the, the the boys and girls watching him get off the coach went absolutely ballistic when he got off um, and gave them a bit of a wave, which is yeah. just brilliant to see. The more than footballers
3: you know, over there, it seems. It's like icons, gods even. Absolutely. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, it's so much more.
1: Yeah. yeah, I agree with you. And, you know, Ian mentions about Mo Salah being taught in schools and building an ambulance ambulance station and being charitable and and a bit of a philanthropist but Didier Drogba did that as well didn't he Um, where he almost kind of built an entire village (laughs) with better amenities for for the people that you know he kind of grew up around so brilliant to see that and actually I think it's brought more eyes on the African Cup of Nations actually in in recent weeks just because of the quality and talent that we've seen in the Premier League from African players. But at the moment, Mo Salah hasn't been offered a new deal by Liverpool. You have to think it would just be a matter of time, but we've been saying that for a number of weeks now. Anyway, we're going to take a quick break here on Football Social Daily. We do have some football to discuss. Premier League game last night between Southampton and Brentford, and there's one tonight as well as West Ham take on Norwich. We'll talk about both after this. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Welcome back, this is Football Social Daily from Sports Social. I'm Niall, I've got Matt and Ian alongside me and there was a Premier League game last night, just the one as Everton against Leicester was postponed. It was between Southampton and Brentford at St Mary's and it was the home side that came out victorious by a margin of four goals to one. The Bees battered by Saints in the end. Southampton leapfrogged their opponents up to 11th with that victory. And their new owner, Dragan Sholak, was in attendance. That's Southampton, that is. Sholak's um, investment group has just taken over an 80% stake in the South Coast Club. We hear often about this new manager bounce, Ian, but do you think this last night was a case of new owner bounce, perhaps?
2: Well, it could be, couldn't he? he was there with his uh, with his Southampton scarf, looking like a looking like a, a native of the looking area. Looking like a... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, here comes this here comes the portsmouth spoken fan. like a true portsmouth fan yeah. yeah yeah i don't know if he had a
1: staying true to the, half and half Pompey,
2: though, you know, Pompey the James. <laughs> yeah half and half scarf brentford southampton you know the fixture of the year uh he was there anyway um, and what a, what a great performance <laughs> for him to to take in from the director's box um Maybe, maybe there was a new owner bounce, knowing that the the new man's in town and it's the transfer window and all that. I don't know, but um, certainly a good a good performance for him to 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 see on his his, his first um, trip there. Um, must certainly fill him with with hope. And uh, I don't know, maybe it's the way that Brentford play because Brentford, you know, are usually a fairly free flowing side, aren't they? Maybe. Just like as as with happens with well with any side uh, that plays that type of football, you know you are liable to, to take a pasting every now and again, and uh, maybe mm. that was it. But um, but you know can't argue if you are a Southampton fan, you got to be happy with that new owner and uh, and a four one
1: win. That's the first time they've scored more than three goals in a Premier League game under Ralph Hasenhurt or Matt. Does that surprise you, considering how often people mention the style of play that Southampton have, or is it not really a shock?
3: Um, well, when, when we talk about Ralph Hasenhirtle at Southampton, we think about the amount of goals that they've ended up conceding in games. They've conceded nine twice, <laughs> and I'm sure you'll know that, won't yeah. you, know. <laughs> um, <laughs> Just the, the players that they've got um, they've, I mean, they've got the likes of um, Armstrong, Che Adams up front. I mean, they're not sort of like prolific Premier League strikers. We know that Armstrong would come up from um, the championship last season with, uh, was it Blackburn he signed from? Um, so they, they've still, they've got players there. They've got players like Ward Prowse who are good from set pieces. They they just, I think what Southampton at the moment are happy with is consolidating for your usual mid-table, um, getting the odd good game in the season, like a 4-1 against Brentford. Look, Brentford aren't no one's mugs. So it's a great result for Southampton last night. Um they're not going they're not going to score as many premier league goals as say man city or anything like that southampton but they'll just be happy to pick up points as and when they can southampton and yeah the new owner last night being there probably did create a little bit of buzz with the players um some of them probably trying to play the way for um, a better deal some of them maybe trying to play the way into the transfer window to leave you don't know these things we don't know what goes on behind the scenes at the at the clubs Um, So, yeah, Southampton will just just be happy with um, that result last night and they'll be happy to to finish mid-table as high as they possibly can.
1: Yeah, it was a good win for them, no doubt about it. 4-1 victory, as I mentioned, the first time they've scored more than three goals under Ralph Hasenhirtle. In contrast, in the other dugout, Ian Brentford boss Thomas Frank says that the Bees must learn from the defeat, and we often hear managers say that. But I think that's the right approach from him, in my opinion, not to overreact. It is Brentford's first season in the Premier League, after all, and they're doing pretty well. So it was inevitable that they were going to have a few baptisms of fire on their Premier League journey this season, but they've done pretty well on
2: the whole. Look, everybody's capable of getting beaten in the Premier League, and that's what makes it such a great thing, that you know there is nobody really running away with it. Even even the teams that that are at the very, very top are capable of falling to a surprise every now and again. Uh, but that's to say, that's why it's it's fantastic. And I think Brentford have had a, certainly a better season than I thought they would have. Although that said, you know what they've done in the Championship year after year. They've been, you know, a, a very solid team who frankly have have only just missed out on promotion a, a few times so you could argue they should have been in the Premier League a year or two earlier maybe um but um yeah it, you know it is a learning experience you're not going to win them all but they're in the right place you know mid table it's it's a decent place to be for a team that have just been promoted there are plenty of teams that would swap with them um you are going to take a beating every now and again unless you're in the top six and even teams in the top six it can happen uh you know you, you are going to fall to these defeats it's not something to panic about um, you know I think if if you're taking a, a defeat away from home you can handle that it's when you're getting spanked on your own turf week in week out that's when you've got to you've got to panic but they've been scoring goals they've been hard to break down um, they're in a good place halfway through the season. So, yeah, don't panic just yet. It's just one of them things. You know what Southampton are like? As <laughs> I said before, South, Southampton are one of them teams that are capable of beating somebody 4-1 and they'll probably get smashed 6-0 at the weekend. You know, it's it how it goes. <laughs> uh,
1: I think it's uh, an important thing we mentioned, though, about what Thomas Frank said after the game and how he dealt with it. Matt, because much like Ian says, you know, in the Premier League, you can get beaten by anyone at any time. And, you know, as a team uh, like yours, Manchester City, will find out on occasion, sometimes getting beaten by the lesser teams can come as a bit of a shock. But for Brentford, um, if they had a manager that had thrown his toys out of the pram and started coming up with excuses and said, this is a disaster, we're in real trouble. I think that that probably would have sent the wrong message to those supporters. I think that those involved with Brentford are just enjoying their journey at the moment.
3: Absolutely. Um, just enjoy the ride. You're in the Premier League for the first time in your history. Enjoy it. I mean, they're, they're sitting 13th. They're on 23 points. They've they've won six, drew five and lost nine, which, you know, if they would have said at the start of the season in January, that's where you're going to be at. I think they would have snapped your hands off. Um, they, they just need to keep picking up points at home and snatching the odd, you know, point. Here and there away, and they'll be fine. They've got some good players who can do bits of everything. And a managers, you know, like Thomas Frank, he's finding his feet in the Premier League. He needs he needs these 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 kind of games to just see where his players are at and see where he's at as a coach. And it's how they're going to bounce back from it that they're going to be judged. They've got a good thing going there at Brentford. The whole like sort of community. I mean, you see them sing, singing "Hey Jude" and stuff like that, and they do like a lap of honour at the end of each game. There's there's a real closeness there. There's a real just like sort of like family feel with the whole club, and it's very rare you find that these days with with especially with Premier League clubs, because you see clubs sort of venturing further and further and further away than the fan base. Like the bigger they sort of getting, the more money that they have. So I think they just need they need they need to enjoy it they need to enjoy I think Brentford will stay up this season they'll be absolutely fine and they'll build on it from next season. the Bear in mind, they've got a lot of players that have come up with them from the Championship. They've not really invested too much and bought, bought in a lot of players. Thomas Frank has trusted these players to do a job for him in the Premier League. He's seen them come up from the Championship. Like Ian said, they could have done it a on a couple of occasions, but they've just missed out. They're up there now, and they're making the most of the opportunities. They're, beat, they're beating decent teams in the Premier League, home and away they're not down there they're not fighting for their lives they're sitting comfortably and if they like said Southampton leapfrogged them last night they're a point above them in 11th you know what I mean if they finished 11th this season Brentford that would be a fantastic achievement for them their first season in the Premier League so I think the like like you were just saying there the fans just need to not press the panic button They need the, the manager doesn't need to press the panic button he needs just to sit back now take this defeat on the chin because it does happen go into the next game with a completely fresh perspective on things and just go again.
1: Yeah, well said. Totally agree with everything you've said there. And you mentioned, you know, having those moments in a Premier League season, Brentford fans, would have, most of them would have never seen their team play in the top flight. And then that first day of the season, that Friday night, in August when they beat yeah, Arsenal 2-0 yeah. in their own stadium with fans back. I mean, that was a real special moment that I'll remember vividly and I have no real affiliation to Brentford at all. So they're certainly Save. doing well for themselves. Uh, Southampton 4, Brentford won the final score in the Premier League last night. There is a Premier League game tonight as well. West Ham United taking on Norwich City. It's a 7.45pm kickoff, taking place at the same time. It's the second leg of the Carabao Cup semi-final between Tottenham and Chelsea. Chelsea currently lead... In that tie, 2 0 on aggregate. But let's focus on the Premier League game here West Ham and Norwich at London Stadium. The Hammers have won their last three in all competitions, including an FA Cup win over your side Leeds at the weekend. In controversial fashion, we must add, Ian. But over Christmas, they hit a bit of a bump. They remain fifth in the table. But if they beat Norwich, they're back in the top four. And so, therefore, pressure returns to Arsenal and Spurs, who will be chasing them in that race for Champions League football next season.
2: Yes, from a Leeds United point of view, what a few days. Um, <laughs> yes, um, being beaten by West Ham and then probably cheering West Ham on uh, later on this evening. But, um, you know, West Ham are a tricky team. Uh, you know, they are, they, they are starting to get good, aren't they? You know, sort of consistently, they've got a good spine of the team. David Moyes uh, does actually seem to know what he's doing eventually when when they give him enough time. Um, but you know, a very tough trip for Norwich. I want, you know, if, if you're down there at the bottom, you, you do not want to be uh, visiting West Ham. I think they, you know, they, they've, they've got too much for Norwich. I'm pretty sure, I, you know, we can always be proved wrong. There's always a surprise, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I, I fancy that this, this should be, um, a good one for West Ham and they've got to see it as an opportunity. Haven't they playing a, a team like Norwich who are down the bottom, uh, West Ham looking as you, yeah. as you say to sort of, get back into that top four, those European positions and certainly consolidate at least the top six, um, this has got to be the opportunity.
1: Well, there's that old cliche, isn't there? There's no easy games in the Premier League, but if they want to finish in the Champions League, they need to beat Norwich.
2: Yeah, exactly. You've got to you've got to beat the teams below you, wherever you are in the in, in the league. Yeah, you've got to beat the teams below you, and you know it doesn't get much of a bigger opportunity than than for Norwich City. Well, there are no teams below Norwich at the moment. They are rock bottom uh, of the yes. Premier League. Well, they can um, they can look forward to beating uh, QPR.
1: Well, there are some arguments that those Norwich supporters, Matt, have thrown the towel in. We know, we know football fans like like to have a bit of gallows humour in this country. I mean, as a Pompey fan, I know all about I've that. I've been there We've as well, Niall. <laughs> yeah, of course you have. Of course you have. You've been singing in the stands, let's pretend we score a goal and all these other chants that everyone loves to sing when your team isn't doing that well and you're falling upon hardship. Um, we're hearing a lot of that from the Norwich fans at the moment. They seem to have kind of resign themselves to the fact they'll be in the championship next season. But Dean Smith obviously won't have. He'll be determined to get his side out of it. Amazingly, there's still only four points from safety. So even though it hasn't been great for them recently, it can still be done.
3: Yeah, all it takes is a couple of results to go your way and for you to get a couple of wins. And then, you know, things are looking a little bit more rosier. But you'd think Norwich fans by now would be used to it because when I think of yo-yo Premier League teams, they are the first team (laughs) that comes to my mind because they are up and down. Consistent. They've
1: overtaken West Brom, haven't yeah, they? Yeah,
3: they have. They've overtaken <laughs> West Brom in that in that regard. And you know, when you look at them in the Premier League this season, they just they're not scoring enough goals. I, I, look, I don't mind Timu Puke. He's okay as a Premier League striker. He's a Championship striker at best for me. He's only going to be he's like um, Mitrovic. You know what I mean? Alexander Mitrovic for Fulham. He's in that regard. He can go down to the Championship and he can get you twenty plus goals a season. But in the Premier League, he isn't going to do that. And I just don't think they've got the squad for it. Dean Smith has come; he's been sat by Villa. He's come into a club there that you know are fighting for their lives. He's he's not going to turn it around. He's definitely not going to turn it around. He'll, he'll he'll go down with Norwich, and he'll he'll do well in the Championship next season more than likely. They've got this transfer window. Are they going to sign any players this this transfer window that are going to change it around? Probably not. And there's you know, there's, like you said, there was talk of discontent with the fan base. They're, they're talking to Billy Gilmore to. Back to Chelsea and stuff like that, you know. <laughs> and and Billy, Billy Gilmore is a decent player. I've seen enough of Billy Gilmore to know that he's a decent player. He's he's a he's a good midfielder, and he's just having a hard time at the moment because he's in a, he's in a team where it's just not working out. And um, Brandon Williams is another one, another good young player, and he's there and he's getting experience in um, in what it's like to be fighting. You know, for um, for a relegation battle, it'll be good character building for these kind of players, for these good young players, Um and they'll probably go back to the parent clubs next season after the Norwich get relegated, and they'll 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 take that with them in the careers. Um, it's it's just one of them for Norwich. They're just going to have to just take each game as it comes. It's a mega tough game for them going to the London Stadium tonight. Like you said, West Ham got ambitions of finishing the top four. West Ham are going to come out every single week now like a cup final. They want to bet of their top six finish of last season. And for me, they deserve it. Because when you look at David Moyes and you look, when he first went there, I mean, Jim will tell you this himself. When David Moyes first went there, everyone was questioning it. Like, is he the type of manager that West Ham need? You know, his, his football is very pragmatic. It's not very offensive. It's more set-piece based. Now look at West Ham. They're reaping the rewards of giving a manager time. You know, this is something that Man United didn't do when they they, they brought him in. They gave him a six year contract and he lasted, what, seven months? Because it wasn't the Man United way. West Ham have always been known for, like, sort of free flowing attacking football. When you think of, like, West Ham from back in the day, when they say it's the West Ham way, is this the West Ham way that you'd think of right now? No, it's not. But it's getting West Ham United results and decent results. And they've got a great spine there. They've got a player like Declan Rice, they've got Mikhail Antonio, they've got Lanzini, they've got Suchek, all these players that are absolutely at you know their peak performance under David Moyes at the moment. When they are at their top form, they are on top form. David Moyes seems to be getting the best out of every single one of those players that, that are on the pitch for him when they start. And that's an absolutely fantastic thing for West Ham. West Ham and Man City are known to have a little bit of affiliation with each other. I love seeing West Ham doing well because it makes things more interesting in the Premier League they called the the big six you know what I mean they're breaking into the big six people were thinking that the big six couldn't you know Leicester have been there and thereabouts haven't they Leicester have been fighting for Champions League football for a couple of seasons now and now West Ham are up there so it just goes to show you if you give a manager time if you give them the right resources then they can do things for you they can work these these like moments of magic and this is what West Ham need to make the most of right now because, like, they've been good in Europe this season as well. You know, it wasn't so much so for Leicester, but West Ham have took advantage of getting that European experience. And hopefully, for me, fingers crossed, they break into the top four and they can set up with them into the Champions League next season.
1: Yeah, certainly it'd be interesting to see West Ham um, in the the mix for the Champions League. There's no doubt about that. And Norwich City, they've got some serious work to do if they're going to stay up and even get a result at the London Stadium tonight, seven forty-five PM kickoff. The Canaries haven't scored a Premier League goal since November and that screams to me forward players required in the window but I don't know whether they'll bother and actually some interesting developments just while we were talking about the fans and Dean Smith. Allegedly Dean Smith isn't very happy with the Norwich supporters for expressing their... Their humour in that way uh, over the performances of the team. But the one thing you don't want to do as a manager is question the fans, even if maybe what they're doing isn't helpful. It's never a good route to go down. I'm not a manager, but certainly I've seen enough football over the years to know that that is not something you want to start doing. Talking of managers, two brilliant managers clashed tonight. In the Carabao Cup semi-final, second leg, Antonio Conte and Thomas Tuchel do battle. Chelsea against Spurs. It is the Blues who hold a 2-0 advantage over Tottenham Hotspur. They have one foot at Wembley for the Carabao Cup final. Ian, it's going to be a big ask for Tottenham to try and score three past Chelsea in regular time and get the job done. Do you think they can do it?
2: Uh, <laughs> who knows? Um, I, I <laughs> The way things have been going for them at the moment, I, I wouldn't fancy it. Um, Very, very difficult. Maybe against another team, but Chelsea just being such a strong defensive unit, you know, we know that the, the sort of best defence in Europe, I think, um, certainly so far this season, Um I think it's going to be a tough ask for them. I think against another team, you know, if they're playing against, you know, um, Southampton or Norwich or uh, any of those. Southampton again. Yeah, Southampton. (laughs) Backing Southampton to sort of let four in uh, the the night after, then um, (laughs) then possibly. But I think Chelsea, you know, they're just. Too good a unit. Of course, it depends what side Tuchel puts out because they've got a lot on their plate, haven't they, Chelsea? And it depends whether that you know they put out the strongest um, possible defence that they have available. Um, but if they do, if it's a, you know a, f- a full first choice team, then could be a could be a, a tricky ask. Be interesting to see though. Uh, but uh, you know it's going to be an exciting game to watch for that reason. A lot of pressure on it.
1: Yeah, London derby as well. Semi final second leg. Definitely going to be an interesting one to watch at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and Spurs. They were 1-0 down to Morecambe of League One in the FA Cup at the weekend, and they managed to rally, not late on, but I suppose with the final half an hour of the game, to come back and win the match 3-1, so... It's, it's definitely something that they can do. They can come from behind, but coming from a deficit against Morecambe is a totally different kettle of fish than coming from behind against yeah. Chelsea, Matt.
3: Yeah. Um, speaking of Morecambe, they put out a tweet over the weekend that actually made me laugh. They've scored more goals at the stadium than City have. <laughs> <laughs> City have never scored. City have never scored at stadium, ever. It's like a cursed ground for us. So that, yeah, that made me laugh. Um Two, two, two completely different kettles of fish in it. Um, like you said, um, Ian was saying there, Chelsea are well known for their defensive unit. Um, Tottenham just gonna have to go for it tonight. It feels weird not watching a Carabao Cup semi-final with City in it. I must say, and it hurts that we aren't gonna be at Wembley this season fighting for our fourth one in a row. But you know, you can't win them all, can you? Unfortunately, it's just one of them things. Um, I expect a good game tonight, I expect I expect to, Tottenham to come out swinging, they've got no other, no other choice, they've got to go out there, and they've got to try and put a statement down, look, that was the last trophy, that Spurs won in 2008, the League Cup, and this, the fans are starved of silverware, we all know Spurs are spurs and this is the way, they, they've, they've had a Champions League final, let's be real, that was a massive achievement for them, but, with a manager like Antonio Conte with the stadium that they've got and you know the fan base that they've got they need they need trophies and i think the league cup's very very underrated everyone goes on about the FA cup the premier league the champions league if you win that League Cup in February, that can be the stepping stone to bigger and better yeah. things. It's, Great boost! It's absolutely. We've seen it with Mourinho in the past for Chelsea. He loved that trophy for Chelsea. He used to go in in February, win that, then win the Premier League and, and, and win the FA Cup and whatnot. So it's it's just one of these trophies that needs to be you know respected and regarded in a, in a high manner. It's it's a major trophy. It goes on your CV as a manager as well. Conte will want it but they've maybe left themselves a little bit too much to do losing 2-0 at Stamford Bridge in the first leg. i hope to see a good game tonight i will i will watch it and you know i'll probably i don't i don't as a neutral i'm not bothered who wins usually but i'll be i'll be probably rooting for spurs tonight definitely i
2: think a goal in the first 20 minutes or something like that for 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 spurs would certainly Spice it up, absolutely. Wouldn't it? You know that's that's yeah, the thing. Yeah, yeah. I think if it if it bubbles on or Chelsea score a couple for early early doors, then you know I think <laughs> You can write you can it off, can't you? But you know, it's well just... that's
1: what happened in the first leg. They Spurs just were shambolic in the first twenty minutes. I mean, they scored an own goal. The first goal came after I think three or four minutes from Havertz, and they just. They just shot themselves in the foot and gave themselves a mountain to climb for the next 80 minutes of the game. And, you know, you're talking about a, a club, as Matt says, that haven't won a trophy since 2008. You know, Wigan Athletic and Pompey and several other teams have won trophies more recently than Spurs have. So
3: Birmingham, it's, it's, <laughs> Birmingham City, yeah,
1: it's such a yeah. shame for, for Tottenham mm. to have found themselves in another semi-final and yet again give themselves such hard work to do.
3: Yeah.
2: Yeah, no, it, it 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 is just the way Spurs sort of tend to operate, one way or another. It, just, it seems to be a constant every season. There is always a, you know, make it hard for themselves. It's funny with Tottenham. Just looking here on so, a, sorry,
3: traditionally they were a cup team. When you look at them down the years, they've always been known yeah. as a good cup side. But that sort of like reputation is slowly drifting away <laughs> because, like I said, they've not won anything since two thousand and eight. I remember it was when Jonathan Woodgate and Arlen was playing for them, and I think they actually beat was it they beat Chelsea <laughs> in that final. In February, in, in February that year in 2008 so they need to just think about that now think about getting to Wembley and don't let them score in the first 20 minutes because like I said if they do that it's game over Tottenham need to still be in the game they need to still be in the game if they get an early goal then fantastic but even in the second half if it's 2-0 no, still they've got a chance so Spurs just need to not concede tonight if they don't concede at all then they've got a chance
1: well, that game kicks off the same time as West Ham against Norwich. It's Spurs against Chelsea in the second leg of the Carabao Cup semi-finals. Who will find their way to Wembley? Liverpool and Arsenal will be one of the two clubs joining either Spurs or Chelsea there. That game takes place tomorrow. There's been plenty of controversy around it. We'll talk about it on tomorrow's show. But Matt, Ian, that's it for today. Thanks for your company as ever. Been great to have you on the show once again. And don't forget, if you hit subscribe, that way you won't miss an episode of this podcast again. We are the only daily Premier League podcast out there. But that's That's it from us here on Football Social Daily and we'll speak to you again next time. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode.
3: Step into the world of power, loyalty,